I love Tom Jones. Uh, cats, dogs, hedgehogs, snakes, birds, whatever you got. Dr. Dana Varble joins us. It's a, it's a regular feature every other Friday. Dr. Varble, I like to call her Chicago's exotic, exotic pet vet, but she's also the chief veterinary officer for the North American Veterinary Community. Thank you so much for joining us, Dana. Oh, thank you for having me again, Lisa. How's everybody doing on this nice weather day? It is so beautiful. Everybody's walking their dog. <laughs> yes, yeah. We're going to see everybody go out for new walks. Hopefully, we're not going to see a bunch of uh, dogs start limping today. So, everybody, take it easy, easing back into these summertime routines. That's all I'll say about that. Because they're like the rest of us. They're using muscles that they haven't been using the whole time, especially at the dog park, right? Exactly. Yeah, we probably don't want to go from our winter couch potato days to, you know, two hours at the dog park this afternoon. Um, Not for most pets anyway. Uh, You know, there's certainly some young animals that were very good about walking through winter that could probably handle that. But just like us, they kind of need to ease back into those activities. And thank you for your support when I was, um, you know, sharing the last days of Hank's life with him. Dr. Varble told me I called her because I said, this is what's happening. I don't know what to do. <laughs> and she said, yeah. number one, you know your dog. And number two, mm-hmm. spend spend whatever time you have with him and it wasn't much time and you said you lost a dog to the same thing and it starts with a thr ends with a pina i don't have it right what is it (laughs) it's called immune mediated thrombocytopenia yeah it's one of those scary groups of immune mediated immune mediated diseases typically happen to older dogs Um, It's where we see dogs often pretty dramatically start to decrease the number of platelets in their blood. And platelets, if you'll remember, are the little tiny cells that help us form blood clots. And Lisa, what you experience is so often the case is that when when these dogs start to develop symptoms, you know, it's interesting because we have a lot of platelets in our body and you don't need them all. <laughs> we can use them up. We make new ones. It's an ongoing process throughout the day. We all know we get bruises. We bonk into things and it's our platelets that really help us control even, you know, not getting too bruised. So you, you can lose a lot of platelets. You, as a matter of fact, you can lose almost all your platelets. And again, if you're normal in 24 hours, those numbers are going to be back to normal. But in these dogs, when they come in, they typically have, like, bleeding from their gums or blood in their urine or sometimes blood in the whites of their eyes. And and just like Lisa experienced, when we test them, we usually can't find any platelets. Right. It's a disease that by the time we find it, it's been... It's been kind of running rapid through, through their little bodies for too long. And it's a, it's a hard disease to stop. So yeah, and it's it, really tough. It was tough. It's tough because, uh, you know, he was chewing on a bone. And I thought, well, you know, he's crazy sometimes. You know, he gets a little bit of blood on the bone. But I thought, that's odd. And then realized he was hemorrhaging mm-hmm. from his mouth. So that yeah. is uh, the most difficult thing is making the decision that the best thing is to let him go. But um, it's what we all do for those that we love. Yeah. And and, and you had a dog with the same thing, and you. I did, yeah. yeah. You know, it's one of those things too. When I, when I talk to people with with animals with immune mediated diseases, we, it's it's time to just like we had this. It's it's a tough conversation. It's time to be really frank because immune mediated diseases can be really really difficult when they affect 
critical parts of the body, which things like platelets and red blood cells, yeah, you can't you can't live without them. Yeah, <laughs> Hank had zero, yeah. and the next week he had one, yeah. and we can't survive like that. Okay, some questions for no. Doctor Varble. Hmm. Um, hey, my twelve pound dog likes to eat deer poop. I live on one and a half acres and can't keep them out. They seem to oh. like to eat all that kind of stuff, don't they? They really do, and especially animals like deer and horses and sheep, and. Because what what's happening in those animals is they're breaking down grass and plants into, you know, and they're kind of, for lack of a better word, they're fermenting it. So their poop, <laughs> and we all know the smell, right? Yeah. But the dogs, it apparently smells good and it smells sweet. And it's very, very common for them to ingest a little bit of it. Now, it's not super bad. That's the good news. It's like dogs and deer are not, you know, they're not very closely related. They don't share all the same bacteria, viruses, illnesses. It's never great. <laughs> right. Uh, it let the dog eat stool, though. So do your best to minimize it. Uh, don't get too stressed. And is bunny, is, is, is stuff from bunnies or raccoons worse? Uh, bunnies, it's sort of the same thing with deer. They, again, they're those animals that process grass. Dogs love it. I can't keep my dogs out of that. Yeah, so if you yeah. have a way to do it, let us know. Now, raccoons are a little different because raccoons are carnivores, like dogs, like cats. And they can carry some bacteria, some viruses that can affect dogs. Canine distemper is one of them. So do your best, especially if you've got raccoons on your property, try and clean up. Uh, cover up sandboxes. The other thing that raccoons do that always scares me as someone who is familiar with wildlife is they carry a roundworm that can actually affect people, children, the immune compromised. So do your best to discourage raccoons to do their business way out in the woods. Away Absolutely. From your house. Dr. Dana Varble yeah. is with us. If you have a question, 312-981-7200. We'll come back with those and the story about what happened on that United flight this week and how you really know if your dog loves you. And do dogs not like you? And some of the best health apps for pet parents. First, Mary's got to check on weather and traffic. She's treated dogs, cats, hedgehogs, uh, snakes. uh, Is there any animal that we would have in our home that you haven't treated, doctor? Oh, gosh, I have to think about that. I think you've got them all. Not many. Yeah, not many. Not that we keep it around our houses, that's for sure. Dr. Dana Varble, Chief Veterinary Officer for the North American Veterinary Community, is with us, also Chicago's exotic pet vet. I'm sure you saw the story of what happened in the past week on a United flight Mm -hmm. where the woman took her dog out of the crate from underneath the seat and uh, the dog, the dog... uh, just let loose everything let loose and uh basically the flight attendants were in hazmat suits trying to clean it up because it's a full flight how would you like to be seated next to that could you i mean when i read that article i could smell it right yes yes oh my gosh to be stuck on a plane 
with dog poop of all things. So yeah. what about people flying with their dogs? I mean, this was a chihuahua, so yeah. it can fit under the seat. I will tell you, I've flown yeah. with cats and birds and dogs. I don't do mm-hmm. it anymore. But um, what's your take on that? Well, you know, it can be really challenging because a few bad apples, unfortunately, can ruin it for all the people that do it right. Um, you know, this is what I would say is if you are thinking about doing this, you know, if you have a dog that's really well socialized, used to going in the car, used to being around people, used to being in their kennel, this is probably an okay thing for you to consider. But so many dogs, you know, if you have a dog that panics in the car, a plane is not going right. to be a better situation. So, you know, you really have to think through if this is a really good solution for you and your pet. And obviously for those of us with big dogs, you know, Lisa, you and I, we're not bringing our dogs on a, on a no. airplane. They don't fit. They don't fit, right? And and they still do just fine. We get pet sitters. We have great kennels, boarding facilities, friends that stay at our houses. So I think it's just really important when you have to go somewhere to think through if it's if you're doing it for good reason for your pet or if you're just doing it because you really want to be close to them. I would love to take my dogs everywhere, but that's just not always practical, is it? Absolutely. Here's a question from Erin in Chicago, and I am intrigued by this answer because I've got a cat that follows me in the shower. Uh, Lisa, my cat goes crazy for running water out of the faucet. I just have to let him have it because I heard cats do not get enough water in their diet. Is this true? And should I get a cat water fountain? Yeah, cats love running water. Um, they like, you know, a couple things happen when the water's running. One, it tends to be cooler because it's, it's going to be closer to the air temperature around it, not going to have any pockets of heat in it. it. tends to be a little bit fresher, have a little bit of aeration. So it can be really attractive for cats to have running water. And we do think that there is benefits for cats being encouraged to drink more. As you you probably know, if you have cats, one of the leading causes for illness and even death in older cats is kidney disease. And so it's really, really important to make sure they are drinking a lot. It helps keep their kidney health better for longer. So I am actually a big fan of those water fountains for cats. If you can manage to get one where your cats are actually keeping more of the water in the fountain rather than out of the fountain. So are they playing in it or drinking from it? (laughs) Yeah, I see cat litter. I see cat litter in my cat's water bowl. I she she must like wash her feet in it or something. I don't know. Dipping the toes, dipping the toes. Yeah, they love to like as crazy as it is, you know, we're always told cats don't like water. But I don't know many cats who don't love to dip their toes in water and then lick their paws. So for whatever reason, they like water in the way that they like it. Okay, we all love dogs because they love us unconditionally. And we know when they wag their tail or they lick you or it's really cute when they lean on you or they make eye Mm -hmm. contact with you. Many dogs recognize your name. You know, they know what your name is and they want to play with you. Those are all signs that they love you, obviously. They roll over on their back, show their belly, um, trust you with their toys. Um, Mm -hmm. But one of the things they say that if your dog steals your clothes, it's a sign that they love you. (laughs) Yes, you know, for dogs, again, I, we've talked a bit about this a little bit, Lisa. Remember, they're, they're, our world is visual. It's colors, it's seeing people, it's recognizing their faces. In dogs' world, their sense of smell guides them. So remember that your clothes smell like you. And if they love you, if they've got a bond with you, their way of kind of reinforcing that bond is through your smell. And nothing has more of your smell on it 
rather than your clothes. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times those, that sock stealing behavior that we all get pretty annoyed by and that again makes me a little worried because those socks sometimes get stuck um it's actually a really common way for animals that are well bonded with their people to kind of reinforce that bond they just love your smell that's one of the things they eat the most right that you have to do surgery Uh on a sock yeah socks Socks every time yeah i mean socks are are swallowable in the size range right right Um, so it seems like they just go down one of the other things the signs that they said they love you is if your dog makes special facial expressions at you and they they acknowledge that dogs can raise their eyebrows Mm -hmm. they can lift their eyebrows so that is a sign to us just like if somebody else if a human did it right yeah tilting their head raising their eyebrows these are all signs that actually they're thinking about what you're saying that they're acknowledging you that they're paying attention to you um and they tend to do these more with people that they're bonded with rather than with strangers and they've actually done studies on dog facial expression trying to interpret what they mean and the way they respond to the people they're bonded with their owners their pet parents is very different than a stranger so they know that they stay some special facial expressions just for you. Uh, somebody said their 16-year-old Shih Tzu has, well, just licks his front paw all the time. I think we mm. all have had dogs like that. Uh, we've only got a minute left, but any suggestions? That's- oh, bad, ha- bad habits like that are hard to break. Yeah, lots of pu- puzzles, treats, toys, things to kind of occupy that brain. Because I'll bet if there's not a skin problem with that paw, it's just become a bad habit now, and it's going to be tough to break. Good luck with that one. Those are hard. Interesting. So, yeah, keep them busy, huh? Keep them busy, tire them out? Keep them busy, yes. Exactly. More exercise, longer walks, maybe another round of obedience class even, just to keep that brain busy. Give us a couple websites where people can find out information that you think is relevant. Yeah, join us anytime at NABC.com to see what we're up to in the veterinary world. And Exotic Pet Vet is our website for Chicago Exotics Animal Hospital. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Varble. Thank you so much, Lisa. Everyone have a great weekend. Dr. Dana Varble. And if you hang out for a second, you will hear Steve's news. He's got all the latest next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom.